What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. God doesn't take any delight in doing that. He takes no delight in sending any person to hell. He says in Ezekiel, 25, in Ezekiel 33, Ezekiel 33, 11, Ezekiel 33, 11 says, say unto them, he's talking to his proclaimer, his preacher, his messenger, Ezekiel, and he's saying, say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn, very important word, chuva, to repent, turn, but that the wicked turn from his ways. Turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. Why will you die, O house of Israel? You know, God's saying here, it's no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but he has great pleasure when the wicked turn in repentance. And so God asked the question, when he asked the question, why will you die? He's saying something there. He's saying that to die and to go to hell is absolutely unnecessary. Why? He asked the question. It's unnecessary. For anyone to go to hell, it's an unnecessary catastrophe. It's an unnecessary catastrophe. When we talk about, in Israel, they don't say the Holocaust. They say the Shoah, which means catastrophe. Well, this is an unnecessary catastrophe. You know, God's purpose is for everyone to be saved. In 1 Timothy 2.4, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God wants every person, he wants every man, every woman, every boy, every girl to be saved and not to go to hell. God's will is for no one to perish in hell. As he said in, in, in 2 Peter 3.9, 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord's not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's purpose Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, not one should perish. That's God's purpose. And the gospel is what God did, all so that man would be saved from the second death. Which brings us back to this verse in 1 Corinthians 15, 26. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. And so how did he do that? How does God destroy death? Hebrews 2, 14. 
For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. That's the devil. See, the Lord Jesus Christ destroyed death through his own death. Through his own death on the cross, which is where he destroyed death, it's where he paid the ransom for our redemption. That's the gospel. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 3, 1 Corinthians 15, 3, I delivered unto you. First of all, that which I also received. I'm not telling you something that I haven't tasted, you think. It's, it's, it's how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And on the cross, he cries out in Matthew 27 and 46, Matthew 27 46, about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Something, something very mysterious. Because when he said that, only the Lord Jesus Christ, no one else, he uniquely had the capacity to do what no other person could have done. He had the capacity to do 2 Corinthians 5.15. 2 Corinthians 5.15. He died for all. He died for all. 1 John 2.2. He's a propitiation for our sins. Oh, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Hebrews 2.9. We see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. He died for every person. He died for every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. He paid the price of every person's sin. That's why the greatest catastrophe, unnecessary catastrophe, is when a person goes to hell. It is 100% not necessary. It is 100% against God's will. It is 100% the fault of man when he doesn't submit to the gospel. Because the gospel isn't just an invitation, it's a command. It's a command. It's, it, when it says in Isaiah 45, 22, look unto me and be ye saved, all, ye, uh, all, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. Where do you think he said that? Look unto me and be ye saved. Where is he? Where is he? Where? Oh, he's up there on a cross. He's on a cross. What's he saying? Look unto me and be ye saved, all ye ends of the earth. I'm God. There's none else. God dying for our sins. He says, look to me. Look to me. I'm the brazen altar, uh, brazen serpent. I'm the brazen serpent. Look at me and be healed. That's a command that he gives there in Isaiah 45, 22, when he says, look unto me and be saved. See, the gospel is a command to obey. That's why it says in Romans 10, 16, Romans 10, 16, they've not all obeyed the gospel because Isaiah said, who hath believed our report? 2 Thessalonians 1, 8, 2 Thessalonians 1, 18, 1.8, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 4.17, 1 Peter 4.17, the time the judgment must begin at the house of God must begin at us. What shall the end be for them that obey not the gospel of God? He's so, God so much wants every person to be saved that he gave his son to die for our sins. And, and you know, this is such an amazing verse. Do this with me. Just close your eyes right now. Just close your eyes and just think about these words. Don't look at anything else. Just think. John 3.16, John 3.16. Just think about this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him 
should not perish, but have everlasting life. Okay, open eyes now. Isn't that wonderful? That's astounding. That's the provision. That's the provision. The death of God's son. That's God's provision for every person to be saved. Okay, so what happens to the believer when he dies? What happens to the believer when he dies? Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for the believer who dies. There's no accusation for the believer, or there's no indictment for the believer who dies. There's no hell for the believers who dies. You know what it's like? When you go to the tabernacle, look at all three rooms. All three rooms. The first room is sacrifice. One word, sacrifice. Death and blood. You'll see painted red on the horns of the altar. Death and blood, sacrifice. The second room, service. Serving God, service. Light to others. Feeding others. The table showbread. Praying for others. Altar of incense. Light, the menorah, candlestick. And the third room, the best of all, friendship with God. That's a third room, meeting with God. Meeting with God. There's no second death for the believer who dies. And that's why he said in in, in Luke 20, 36, neither can they die anymore, for they are equal unto the angels and are the children of God, being the children of the resurrection. In Revelation 20, 16, 26, Revelation 26, blessed and holy, is he that hath part in the first resurrection on such the second death hath no power, but they shall be a priest of God and Christ and shall reign with them a thousand years. John eleven twenty six, the great chapter about the resurrection of Lazarus. He says, whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? That's what he said. The question. Revelation 14, 13, I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. From henceforth, yea, saith the Spirit, they may rest from their labors and their works to follow them. The believer, for the believer, death is just a shadow. It's just a shadow. Like it says in Psalm 23, 4, Yea, though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, I'll fear no evil, for, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You know, Dr. Barnhouse, a Presbyterian minister, he had three young children when his wife died. And he was on his way to the funeral in the car. And he was going to preach the funeral himself. And a big truck overtook them on the side there. And as it did, it cast this shadow over the car with he and his three young kids. And so he turns to his children, he says to them, he said, would you rather be run over by the truck or the shadow? He asked. And the daughter says, a shadow can't hurt you. And Dr. Barnhouse told his his children, your mother has just been overrun, not by death, but by the shadow of death. And then he preached the message on that, on Psalm 23. For believer, there's something that changes at death, and there's something that doesn't change. 2 Corinthians 5.8, 2 Corinthians 5.8, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. One thing changes, one thing does not change. One thing changes, is to be absent from the body. Very, very interesting about death. Uh, Second to last chapter in the book of Genesis, Jacob's death. Jacob's death, last verse, chapter 49. It describes Jacob's death with three things. It says, he pulled his feet up into the bed. I don't know why it says that, but it's interesting. I think it says that because it just wants to just sort of 
show you these were things that really did happen. So it says he pulled his feet up into the bed. Then it says he gave up the ghost, breathes his last. And then it says he was gathered to his people. One, two, three. Watch the feet, you can see it. Watch the breath, you can see it. He was gathered to his people, you can't see it, just as sure happened as his feet and his last breath. The one thing that does not change with death is to be present with the Lord. Believers are present with the Lord when believers are in the body, when we're in the body, and we continue to be present with the Lord with death when we're absent from the body. That's why Job, this great words of Job in Job 19.25, this triumphant words, I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And he did, Job. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God when I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold not another, though my reins, my kidneys, be consumed within me. So at death, what changes for the believer is where the believer is. The place changes from earth to heaven. But what does not change is the who. The who he is with doesn't change with the Lord. With the Lord in Psalm 23, that's why I say, Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, thou art with me. Thou art with me. Psalm 73, 23, Psalm 73, 23, Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thus hold me by my right hand. In 1 Thessalonians 4.17, that then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the Lord in the, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. See, for the believer, there's other things for the believer. Let me show you. So you're heaven, I'm earth. Here I am, I'm on earth. Okay. Death happens. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. All right. That's it. That's death. You just go from one, door, one room to another. The believer doesn't die alone even. I went through that door. He doesn't die alone. <laughs> it says in Psalm 116.15, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Psalm 72.14, 72.14, he shall redeem their soul from deceit and violence, and precious shall their blood be in his sight, and he shall live. He shall live. Now, question is, we have this all this understanding about death. What we have as believers, what the, what the lost do not have, have we done our best? Have we done our best to make sure our lost friends and our lost relatives are prepared to die? Because, because God wants them to be prepared to die. God has asked us to go to the lost, bring them the gospel. It's the only hope in death. It's the only hope in death. I'm so glad that on one occasion I took the time to go back to Petersburg, Virginia and find all the Jewish people there who knew my grandfather, the rabbi, who started the only synagogue that's in Petersburg, Virginia. And I'm so glad at that time that, when I, that I was able to sit down with them and tell them, let me tell you what happened to the rabbi's grandson. <laughs> they were so thrilled and to tell them how the rabbi's grandson found God in the Lord Jesus Christ. It wasn't easy. It was an easy trip. It took a lot of strength. And one of the men that I spoke with there was Red's Bassman. Anybody here ever heard of Red's Bassman? Anybody here was a Philadelphia Eagles football fan in 1930s? <laughs> okay. 
because <laughs> he knew my grandfather. He was Jewish. He knew my grandfather, the rabbi, and Reds told me, and, and Reds was, he was the halfback for the Philadelphia Eagles in the 1930s. He made a famous interception in 1934, ran 45 yards, and got the touchdown. And so Reds was the oldest Eagles player alive when I spoke to him. And I remember sitting down with him in his living room with his wife, Helen. He was 95 years old. And I told him, you know, you know, we talked about my grandfather, the rabbi. And then I said, well, now I want to tell you what happened to the rabbi's grandson. And I gave my testimony. And I remember how he stopped me. He said, that's enough. That's enough. You know, I prayed for him almost every day since that. I hope Reds turned to the Lord because two years afterward, he died. That's what we have to do. We have to go after the lost. You know, not just sit around and wait for them to come to us. You know, we don't, it's like Peter putting a sign on his boat. Any, any fish that would like to be caught, would you please jump into this boat? <laughs> we have to go after them. You know, it says in Genesis 37, 17, about Joseph, Genesis 37, 17, it said Joseph went after his brethren. He went after them. I went after Reds in Petersburg. And I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did. And so the question is, what efforts have we taken to make sure our lost friends, our lost relatives are prepared to die? And I don't want to, I've been saying in here, you know, we, and I'm assuming, I'm assuming that all of us in this room are prepared to die. I'm assuming that. But I really, I got to ask the question, have you made preparation for your death? Have you made preparation for your death? I, now, I'm not a... Sure, financial arrangements for death. Okay, fine. What about the soul? What about the spirit that's going to go on to live forever? You know, it's not, some go out and they say, well, I don't know. I don't care. I'm just going to live up the high life. But others take it very seriously. And they prepare their hearts to meet Almighty God. They're going to have to face and deal with the sin problem and the failures. But God says in Amos 4.12, Amos 4.12, prepare to meet thy God. You know what that means? That means there is a way to prepare to meet God. There is a way to prepare to meet judgment and death. Well, what's the way? God says, repent. First, repent. Luke 13, 3. I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Repent. Second, receive. Receive. John 1, 12. John 1, 12. Receive. But as many as received, him, to them gave you power to become sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Man has to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why, really, it should be written in John 3.16, whosoever believeth into him, not just acknowledges existence, acknowledges that he died on the cross, but there's a difference between believing in and believing into. And so, he says in John 10, 27, John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. To listen to the devil is to believe lies, to believe the lies of, oh, you have plenty of time. No, let's not get all worked up about this, emotional. No, no, you got a time. You're going to sit back. And you go, later, later, later. That's a lie of the devil. God says, today. And the second lie is, it's not true. 
It's all not true. It's just religion. It's the opiate of society. It's all not true. That's a lie. And it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, whose image of God should shine unto them. It is true. It's all true. And, it's, and what else is true? It's a choice. It's a choice. It's everyone's choice. It's your choice tonight. So that's why it's so important. Make sure you're ready to die. Prepare for death by being saved. Repent. Repent of sins. What is that? Change the mind. Change the mind about self. I'm not as good as I thought I was. Very interesting about Joseph's brothers who were about to murder him, and they were saying, we shall say some evil beast hath devoured him. All right? Man's always blaming somebody else. Adam said, it's the woman that, what is the woman? The woman you gave me, as a matter of fact. It's not a woman, you, both of you. Woman, God. The other reason why this happened, see? I mean, the rich man, not the rich man, the Pharisee, he stands, it says he prays with himself, I thank thee, O God, that I'm not like them. Oh, no, I give tithes, I fast, I'm wonderful. And it says he prays to himself, God says. Then the, the publican who he's pointing to, he says, I'm not like him. The publican goes a far away, drops his head, hits his chest, and says, have mercy on me, a sinner. And God says, he went home justified. He didn't. He went home justified. But what does it mean to repent? It's very interesting. A couple chapters after they, they, they put the blame on some evil beast that devoured Joseph, in Genesis 45, when God puts a pressure on them, they say, we are verily guilty concerning our brother. That's 45.22. We are verily guilty concerning our brother. That's a big difference from some evil beast of devoured him. And this is what repent means. Repentance means stop blaming anybody else and just blame yourself. Take the responsibility and say, I'm a sinner. Change your mind about self. Change your mind about the cross. That's what I need. I need the salvation of the cross. Change of living. Change of habits. Repent. Second, believe. Believe into. Not just acknowledge mental assent. Believe into. And really that goes to the next point. Believe into by following him, by serving him. Remember the three rooms of the tabernacle, the middle one, serving God, serving God. Now, you might say, look, Tom, I decided that years ago. I decided that years ago. Did you really? Did you really? Are you sure? Are you certain? Are you certain? You can make sure. Make sure tonight. Make sure tonight. You know, you can. Some people raise hands. I'm going to ask you just to come up here to where I am and just stand here with me. Why? So you can be seen. Not every eye all closed and, and nobody looking and somebody right. No. So you can be seen. Come here, because that's what the Lord Jesus said. He said, if you confess with your mouth, if you confess with your walking, if you confess with your coming, you'll be saved. So if you feel that, and only you know that you're not really saved, then let's settle it tonight. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for a wonderful invitation. Thank you for the door that you keep open. Thank you, Lord, 
for the provision that you made that no one, no one is excluded. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.